0: Parshas Vaera. We are hitting the uh, thick of the story here, the story of Mitzrayim, the story of Exodus, and we're up, and this parsha is going to have uh, 7 out of 10 of the plagues, famous plagues. So, uh, some great ideas here. So, when it's discussing how the, uh, the slavery was getting worse and worse and And God was seeing that this really was time. So the verse says in chapter 6, verse 5, I have heard God talking here, I have heard the groan of the children of Israel, whom Egypt enslaves, and I have remembered my covenants. And in Hebrew, it's interesting, the sentence starts off, and also I have heard. So who's the also? God is the one who is listening. And so it really just got. It. So the Pimic Chassam Sofer lived about 200 years ago. He said, he, he explains that this means that not only did God hear the extreme pain the Jews were in, but the Jews who were each in their own pain, horrible situation. They still had the presence of mind and the caring and the sensitivity to feel the other people who were in pain's pain. And that is a lesson the Torah is trying to teach us that, uh, um, well, on, on one level, that's you know, we all have our own challenges. Everyone's got challenges, and we, uh, it's, uh, we're it's we asked. God is, uh, is teaching us that the uh, person... You know, can't go neurotic and all those kind of things, but it, it it is possible, and actually, it's actually a very good coping mechanism. A person who is able to not to not be laser focused on their uh, troubles and be able to still feel the pain of others, and um, just a great way to live. again yeah, not easy, but we learn from here that it is possible. Continuing along. So, in chapter 6, verse 13, God says that he wants to send Moshe and Aaron to get the, the, the Exodus process going. So, the verse says that Hashem spoke to Moshe and to Aaron to take the Jews out of Egypt. So, it's interesting here, the uh, the, the uh, Jerusalem Talmud in Rosh Hashanah says an interesting thing, that here we're at the almost the beginning of a new phase. The Jews have been in slavery, and really once the plagues start, obviously this naturally, uh, well, supernaturally, but naturally the uh, slavery toned down, and the Jews to some degree, they were stuck in Egypt. But it obviously wasn't the, uh, the Egyptians didn't have the headspace to be um, really torturing them. So at this juncture, God says to Moshe and Aaron, he says, I want you to teach the Jewish people, soon to be Jewish people, a commandment, which they're going to have to keep when they go to Israel. Mind you, it's going to be over 40 years. And what's the commandment? Is it So in Judaism, The uh, you know, there's the weekly patterns, the monthly, the yearly, and then there's the Shemitah cycle, and then there's the, the, the Jubilee cycle. The Judaism has a cycle of 50 years. Every 50th year is a very special year, and there's many uh, interesting um, laws that apply in that 50th year. And one of them is if a Jewish person has a servant that they need to let them go, and this is not an easy thing um it could be a, b- a big asset something that cost them money a big loss and but that is something that Jews are commanded to do but it's interesting it's a very unique time almost like seems like inappropriate time you know we we're, we're, we haven't even gotten the torah yet the Jews are still in egypt they're in bondage you know they're trying to maybe enjoy a little bit of the of the taste of freedom And Sir B'cham Shmulevitz asked this question. And he says, Hashem precisely wanted to give the commandment while the Jews still felt the bitterness of the slavery. Because it's almost impossible for me to relate to you if I'd never had your experience. And even if I had the experience once, it's, it's hard to remember. Sometimes we, can, we we surprise ourselves. How we can forget so fast an experience that we had as parents. You know, sometimes we try our best, but we can forget the struggles that our children and teenagers and uh, had, uh, or students that have our ours had. And this is precisely what God wanted. He said, "Look, you are slaves, and you're going to want to not be a slave forever." And that's the reason. One of the one of the, there's a, there's a lot of reasons, but there is uh, part of the reason why. We are uh, commanded to let our slaves go at a certain point. And mind you, just uh, tangentially, we'll talk about it in a few weeks. That the the concept of Jewish servitude is not a, uh, it's actually a tremendous kindness. It's not any uh, torture or abuse. It's uh, actually a beautiful thing, the concept of, of, of being a slave in Judaism. It's not really practiced, but when it's done, it's a beautiful thing. And if we want to love our neighbor, this is something which the it says in ethics of the fathers. You can't judge someone else till you get to their space. So usually that means is I can't, I can't judge you at all, because I'm never going to be in your space. But at least um, here you have. Sometimes we can remember we had that experience, and I remember the experience that I had, and I know how bad it was. Then I can, I can treat other people appropriately. Hi there, Mrs. Weissman. Good evening. Um, hi. Um, okay. So now I'll tell you an interesting story, the famous story. You know, uh, one of my uh, my first uh, professional career. I was pretty much now. Obviously, I do fundraise because uh, that's I need to keep my organization going. But. My first career was uh, only fundraising for uh, my alma mater. And there's a famous story with a rabbi named Rabbi Elio Chaim Mizel, who was raising money for a poor family that really didn't have money even to heat up their house. He went to a particular wealthy man's house, and the wealthy man saw the great rabbi coming, and he was very, very cold outside, but he figured he would just not even put his coat on and run outside to greet the rabbi goes outside, and they're, they're outside, and the wealthy man says, please come in, Rabbi myself so I'm happy to talk to you, and Rabbi Maizel says, no, 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 you know, you know what, I want to talk, I'll go in in a few minutes. So they talk for a few minutes, and Rabbi Maizel starts to say why he's there, he's raising money for this family, that their house is cold, because there's no heat, and the wealthy man getting actually very cold, he says, Rabbi, you know, is it's getting a little cold out here, is it possible we can go inside, he's like, actually, I really, I'm out here on purpose because, you know, if we go inside in your nice, warm house, I'm sure you're a nice man and you will give generously. But as soon as we go inside, you're not going to feel the pain and be able to relate to this family and be as, as, as merciful and as generous as you could be. And therefore I wanted you, I'm not trying to be mean, but I want us both to get in the shoes, literally the shoes of that family so you give, um, give appropriately. And when we're trying to deal with other people, sometimes it's hard to be patient. It's hard to be sensitive, hard to be kind. And then we can somehow either get in their shoes, think of how we may have felt at one point, or if we never were in their situation, to realize that we never were in their si- their situation. And that's what we learn from this commandment the Jewish people got about how to treat their future slaves. They got those commandments while they still were slaves, so they would have that sensitivity. So here we got the famous 10 plagues. So this is how God could have taken the Jews out like that. God chose to do it in this incredibly um, uh, supernatural way, and there's so much to learn from the story. So in chapter 7, verse 19... Yeah, the first plagues, and uh, famously, the first few plagues, um, God does through Aaron. Says Shem says to Moshe, go to Aaron and ask Aaron to initiate the plagues to hit the hit the river. The river should turn to blood, and then we hit the river again, and the and the, the frogs came out. And Rashi brings the famous medrash over here. That Moshe, why could Moshe not be involved in something that would hurt the water, so to speak, or or the or the earth? Because Moshe needed to have gratitude to the water, because when Moshe was born, he was hidden in the water, so the, the Egyptians wouldn't find him and kill him, and the water saved him. And so at a later point, also the ground had saved Moshe. and the um this is this is a famous piece of Talmud, and it's always an interesting idea that you know the water doesn't have feelings, but water it did not do anything intentionally to help Moshe, but yet Moshe in a very big stage is 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 clearly not getting involved with the water to demonstrate this idea and this is a famous idea in Judaism that when we do kindness, the person who gets the most from it is me. The person who's doing the kindness because it makes us into better people. So yes, if the purpose of showing gratitude was simply, is simply to make the other person feel good, make them feel appreciated, and certainly that's a goal, and obviously there wouldn't be a place to do that with inanimate inanimate objects who don't have feelings and didn't even plan to do it. But the idea is to inculcate in ourselves the concept, the, the crucial concept for life and for Judaism of appreciating when we get something. The word actually is interesting. The word is hakaras hato. What a karsatov, which is the word commonly used for appreciating something, is recognizing the good. And that is a huge life hack that often we're, we're, we're down and we don't accomplish things and we don't feel good because we don't even notice the good in our lives. And this is the idea that Moshe is exhorted to focus on here, to know, recognize the good in our lives recognize the good in others and it's not a uh, and I mean obviously we're bringing it out with, with inanimate objects but obviously the main the main place we're supposed to work on this is appreciating people and it's not an easy thing to do because our natural instinct is just to take things for granted there's so many stories there I'll tell you I'll tell you a story and I'll tell you a joke this is a famous story of the rabbi he used to walk in his house and he would just walk in and he would look around and he would just appreciate this, all the amazing work his wife had done to the, the t- nicely set table. And, and just, the idea from there is that you got to work on it. And there's a story, which is, I don't know if it's a true story, but it's sort of a joke and could have happened. There was a woman who was married for 20 years, made dinner night after night, and uh, her husband never thanked her. So one night she decided she's going to feed him garbage, real garbage. Animal food, and he uh so he becomes very clear what happened, and he's like, What's going on? And she says, Well, you know, uh, I figured that um, you, you, you didn't really pay attention to what was being fed, so I figured uh, I'll just serve you, and you wouldn't even notice. And that's something we got to do, we gotta pe- people really really thrive on appreciation. We all thrive on appreciation, want to be recognized for the good that we do. Okay, moving along in the plagues. Plague number two was frogs here, frogs there, frogs jumping everywhere. Chapter eight, verse nine. Chapter eight, verse nine, says famously that it says that the um, the frogs died in the plague, in the houses and the yards and. uh, there's a famous medrash over here that says that the frogs got reward. The frogs were considered, uh, they're praised in the Torah for giving up their lives because the frogs were exhorted to um, basically make the Egyptians' lives miserable and be everywhere. Now, the point is, is that uh, the the, uh, the, the frogs had many places to go. There were as many choices as they can go in people's bathtubs and people's beds on people. And one place that they had to go is some people had to, some frogs had to go in the oven. And the oven, ultimately, what happens when, even when a frog goes in an oven, can die. But we, and that's, so there's a number of lessons that the Midrash wants us to learn with this story. One is that the frogs were laser-focused on their mission. Now, I'm not saying we should give up our lives. There's very few things we're supposed to give up our life for. But when we are, are laser-focused on and, and, and what we have to do, we really, really will do what it takes. And there's a lot of times that takes a lot of sacrifice. Secondly, we got to have confidence. If we have something we're trying to do, it could be something on a very small level, on a big level, on a deep level, but something that's important, then we got to be able to be confident and really, really believe what we do. I'm reading an amazing book now. It's called uh, The Tap on the Shoulder. Famous Rabbi, Rabbi Schuster. Rabbi Schuster was, uh, for many, many years, um, uh, placed himself at the Western Wall and you know many jews certainly in the '60s, 70s 80s 90s still true today but was much more very very common that people would come and just be so overwhelmed with emotion at the western wall and they would be inspired and kind of not know what to do and this rabbi made it his life's mission to be there especially for young men and women to help them uh, use those moments uh, you know in a very powerful way and he was, was, it was just amazing. He, he just was so believed in what he did. He did it rain, sh- rain or shine. He wasn't embarrassed. He believed in it. And that's why he was so successful. He really, really believed in what he did. And he had the confidence and, and people felt that. And lastly, you know, what inspires someone to really, really give up something of themselves for someone else? What usually um, inspires enables a person to really, really give of themselves for someone else is when they feel uh, that the other person does or would do that for them, and that is what the frogs felt for God, and that is what we we uh, we can you know in our relationships as we're trying to develop relationships, often we are our focus is more on the expectation than what we're doing. And very often we can actually be, besides giving, but we can even have really improve our relationship so much when we are focused on giving to other people, being dedicated to them. And usually not to have expectations, but usually what happens is that it inspires the other person to do that as well. So... The plagues are happening, and the Egyptians are kind of uh, starting to be worn down a little bit. And in chapter 8, verse 21, um, Power says to Moshe and Aro, You know, go do your sacrifices. Go do your sacrifices. And, he, and Moshe says, Look, you know, we can't do our sacrifices because it's not appropriate for us to bring our animal sacrifices because our sacrifices are things that you consider a god and um it, it will get the people in egypt very angry and 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 they'll then there'll be a whole fight so if i'm he's like what was Moshe nervous about at this point i mean god had the egyptians as they say over the barrel i mean he had them in his hand you know we're already significantly into the plagues I mean, who cares if, if you, your enemies are not happy that you're slaughtering their gods? Like, who, who cares? So, Samso, we quoted before, he says a, a very uh, unique idea. He said, "You know what? God is in the driver's seat. God can punish people, and the great thing about God punishing is God knows, and God can be precise." And he can give someone exactly what they deserve, no more, no less. As human beings, we can't really do that because we, first of all, can't assess in the first place what really is appropriate. And we certainly can't then meet it out in that way. But obviously, human beings have to function and sometimes consequences are necessary, but they often, or all the time, they're not precise. Moshe was concerned, you know what, these Egyptians are horrible people. And God is punishing them. But you know what? Maybe they don't deserve this last, this extra piece, the aggravation, the tremendous aggravation of seeing their God being slaughtered in front of their eyes. And this, is, this blows your mind, the expectation and the ability that the human being can have. You know, we're always, we always, we're, we're inundated with feelings. Well, if someone messes up or someone hurts you, it's their bad. That's not what the Torah teaches us. We are obligated to do the right thing because it's the right thing, regardless of what anyone else does. And in fact, um, we just need to be sensitive to other people's feelings. In fact, Rabbi Destler, actually my desler's grandson, he says that, you know, this really is the whole the whole story of Egypt really comes because Yosef's sitting in a jail. And he sees these workers of Pharaoh sitting there, and they're sad. And the whole course of events, how Yosef ends up being called to, to being the viceroy in Egypt, the whole chain of events started because Yosef saw and cared about other people's feelings, even people who maybe they don't deserve it so much. And this is just some of the, the uh, many lessons. A so quick review over here. He said how was the commentator pointed out that even though the Jewish people were in pain themselves they still were able to feel each other's pain. Not only is that something which is asked of us but it's actually a very good life hack to get through challenges if we're able to not be laser focused on our own pain and be able to feel the pain of others. We quoted these the the Rishami, the Jerusalem Talmud how um the, the Jews were given the commandment of how to treat their own future slaves while they were slaves so they would feel the pain of others. And, and that's sometimes sometimes a, a reason why something painful can happen in our own lives so we can have that pain and then be able to be empathetic to other people. We saw the Rashi, the Medrash, how Moshe was not allowed to be involved in the first three plagues to inculcate in himself the concept of recognizing the good even in inanimate objects and certainly in people to appreciate and recognize the good that people do we saw, talked about how to learn from the raw frogs how to be confident in our in the things that we're doing that are good to be sacrificed to sacrifice for them to be to, to realize that in relationships you have to you have to really really give and give to the other people and then you have two-way streets that usually develop and lastly talked about how sensitive Moshe was, even to their evil Egyptians who are in the middle of being punished, Moshe still was sensitive to their feelings, and that is what is asked of us. So have a wonderful Shabbos, and uh, just keep reading through these parshios. This is where the Jewish people are born. So much here, so much to learn. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and thank you for coming on.